0: This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. So we've been in this series called Church in the Wild. We've been talking about what it means to be the church out in the wild, what we're calling the world. And you guys know we're living in wild times right now. And wild times call for wild measures, all right? Drastic times call for drastic measures. Wild times call for wild measures. And I, I have this burden in my heart that the church in this next season needs to get a little wild again. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you, if you look at the book of Acts and you look at what was going on when the Holy Spirit began to burst forth on the scene, there was massive explosive growth all throughout the world People had begun to follow this Messiah named Jesus, and they began to apply his word and began to obey his teachings and began to be baptized in his name and began to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, signs and wonders and miracles and unexpected things started happening all over the world. And I believe that it was then so it should be today, that the church should not be afraid to get a little wild. And so over these past couple of weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be the church in the wild. In the first week... I talked about what it means to unleash your roar. And I talked about how God's love, his furious love, is like a mighty roar. It's like the roar of a lion. We sang about that tonight. I love that song we've been singing. Hail, hail, lion of Judah. Let the lions roar. Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah, which means that he is roaring over you. And he's roaring over me. And he's roaring over his church. And those that have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying right now. And I hope that's you tonight. So I want to encourage you, if you have your phone, put it on vibrate. If you're expecting a call, let's silence all the distractions tonight. Let's lean in. Let's press in because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. Do you guys believe that? Amen. We are a church that believes that God is still speaking today in and through his word and through his spirit. So we looked at that the first week and how God wants us to unleash our war. And then Pastor Jim came. Who, who was here when Jim Shadler came a couple of weeks ago and talked about untaming your zeal, about rekindling that passion for your purpose and All the things that God wants to do in your life through that. And then, of course, last week, I looked at Isaiah 58 as a call, as a summons to become restorers of the streets and to get out in our streets and to repair the altars and to recover the word of God and to not be afraid to be who God's calling us to be. And I feel like right now we are stepping into a prophetic moment for our church in that we can't go back to what was. Many of you who have been journeying with us from the the moment we started two years ago in holiday in those theaters... You guys remember those plush, comfy leather che- leather seats? Yeah, not exactly too wild, right? Uh, pretty safe, pretty pretty comfortable. But for those of you that have been journeying with us since then, I, I made this statement to our team on Tuesday night at our team night that I believe that that season is dead. That God has put to death the things that are behind us, and that He's put alive the things that are in front of us. There we go. Yeah. Not a lie, alive. A-L-I-V-E, that there's more in front of us than what's behind us. And sometimes we, just as people, let's just be honest, like can get into this rut of looking in the mirror, right? Of comparing our current season yeah. to the previous season. You guys ever do that? Yeah. Some of you? Like, oh, for, for those of you that are older, maybe like even a little more seasoned in your faith, it's sometimes easy to think about the good old days or the glory days. I'm looking at Mike right now because he's got the grayest beard in the room. But the truth is, is that all of us, regardless of our age, can slip into that kind of Uh, Of thinking and that way of doing life where we're just kind of constantly looking backwards instead of forwards. And especially if like you came out of a great season and for many of us, we have this fear that like life is going to get more difficult and crazier and that gas is going to keep getting more expensive and inflation is going to keep going up. And for those of you that are young and don't own a home yet, you're like, how am I going to afford a home, right? And so we have all these like fears and concerns. Those of you that aren't married are like, when am I going to meet my, my mate and is it going to be possible for me to do so without going to a dating app and how's it all going to work out? But, but here's what I believe. I believe that God has something for the people of God, that if we would press into it, if we would lean into it, if we would own it, that we don't have to accept the narrative of fear for our life. We don't have to accept the story that the world is trying to write for us, or we don't have to accept the lies that the enemy wants to speak over us. Am I talking to anybody tonight who feels that way? Courageous Church is called to be a people that advance in the earth, that, call, that are called to advance God's purposes for Salt Lake City, the Mountain West, and beyond. And we say beyond because we know that what starts here isn't going to end here. It's going to fan out. And you guys know we've already been able to send missionaries to Peru. We have people that have left us that are now living in different parts of the world that are carrying on this, this prophetic call to become a courageous people in the earth. So... Last week, I talked about unloosing your bonds and getting set free so that you can set others free. And tonight, we're going to continue with this theme. If you guys have noticed, there's a little bit of a theme I'm running with. I want to invite us to unload our burdens. Say it with me. Unload your burdens. I believe the Lord wants to give you permission to relinquish your worries and to dispose of your fears, to to punch fear in the face tonight. Anybody carrying something that they feel kind of burdened by? Anybody ever feel like just the pressures of life, the weight of bills, maybe health issues, family members who don't know Jesus? Right, where am I going to get that next job? What what's going to happen? Anybody carrying the pressure of that? Anybody feel the pressure of cares? or burdens in your life, well, I want to invite you to listen to what Jesus says and what he's inviting this church to tonight in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. If you have your Bible, go there with me. It'll be on the screen. But here's what Jesus says, and I like the way the NLT, the New Living Translation, says it. He says this, Come to me, come to me, come to me, all of you who are weary, and carry what? Heavy Heavy burdens. burdens. And what's the promise? What does Jesus say that he will do for us? give you rest. Do you notice the correlation between come to me and I will give you rest? What's in the middle of it? A heavy burden. What is Jesus inviting us to do? To bring our burdens to him, to bring the stuff that we're carrying, the things that we're concerned about, the things that we're anxious about, worried about, troubled by. He's inviting us to bring them to him so that we can receive rest. Now, for some of you that are younger, you're like, oh yeah, I don't need rest. I'm good to go. But rest isn't just about physical. It's about the emotional. It's about the spiritual. It's about what's happening in your soul. Some of you have troubled souls because you haven't allowed God through Jesus, through the power of his spirit, to bring you into a position of rest. And as a result, you're striving you're working hard, you're like a dog chasing its tail, you're, you're going through the motions of life, but you're not getting anywhere. Anybody ever feel like that before? Where you're, you're, you're moving, but you're not actually making any progress. Thank you. Thanks. I, I'm, I love my, I love my, uh, my uh, what do I call it, support section right here, all right? Some of y'all need to, need to get with it tonight and shout me down a little bit, I love it. But this is what Jesus invites every follower to do, to bring our burdens to him, to unload our burdens on him. And here's what we typically do. We we come to Jesus, we lay it down, and then we accept rest for a moment, and then we rush back to pick it up again. Right? So if I can illustrate this, it's like, okay, Jesus, here's all my cares, here's all my troubles, here's all my worries. (sighs) Oh. That feels good, right? Ah. And then we run back to grab it again. And then we bring it back to Jesus. So we bring it back to the prayer team. All right, pray for me. All right, I'm, I'm worried. I'm troubled. All right, you got it? You okay, Jesus? I don't know. I think I, I think I want to pick that up again. Right? So what do we do? We keep picking up things that Jesus invites us to lay down. And as a result, we're not operating in a place of rest but I believe that the word of the Lord to us is that we need to lay it down and not pick it up again. Listen to the way the psalmist writes about this in in Psalm 55, verse 22. Throw it up there. He says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. The promise of God is that if we would give him our burdens, he will sustain us. But what's the key imperative here? It's the word cast. Cast. The word cast in the Hebrew is the word shalak. Say it with me, shalak. Shalak. Isn't that a fun word to say? I think that's an amazing word to say. And here's what it means. Throw it up there. It means to throw, to hurl, or to fling. Okay? So the imagery is like that of somebody uh, winding up to toss out a baseball or a pitch. Now... When my kids were young, they used to throw things at me. They used to shalak stuff at me. Oftentimes when I wasn't ready for it, I'd turn and get hit in the face with a ball. Or wham, there goes a toy. Or a G.I. Joe. Right? hey, dad, bam. And I was like, ah. And my kids were really good at doing this, like casting their stuff at me. But can I tell you something? God is such a good God that he's never caught off guard by what he wants you to. To throw at him. He's inviting you guys to grab a hold of this. To literally, if you could get the picture of this in your mind, to hurl at him whatever it is that you're facing right now. Rather than holding on to it and guarding it and trying to manage it or manipulate it or control it, he wants you to chuck it at him. He wants you to cast your burdens at his feet. God's never going to be caught off guard by the stuff that we're wrestling with. Sometimes I think we think that God's surprised by what we go through. And the truth is, he's not surprised one bit. He knows what it's like to be in your shoes. Does he not? Jesus, the word of God in the flesh, knows what it's like to walk among us, to go through what we go through. But in our religious mindset, what do we tell ourselves? We say, oh, God wouldn't be interested in that. Or we say things like, oh, that's too small of a thing for God to worry about. I don't need to trouble him with that. Or maybe on the opposite side. Oh, that's so big I don't even know if God could ever. Right? And so this is what we we tell ourselves. But you know what? There's no burden that's too small. There's no burden that's too big that God doesn't want you to cast on him. Because he loves you. Because he loves us. I, I'm, I'm so blown away by the fact that God is is not only able, but willing to receive whatever it is that we give to him. Now, for some of you, here's the revelation that you need to get. You've been holding on to like little things, little cares, because you're like, oh, this is the stuff that like, I don't need to bother God with. And God wants you to say, you know what? I need to take that stuff to him. All right? So it doesn't matter what it is. Fill in the blank. Maybe it's something really small and really minute. Give it to God and watch the freedom and the relief and the rest that will be, begin to set in and begin to come into your heart. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 in the NLT says it this way. It says, give all your worries and all your cares to God for he cares about you. Does it say give some of your worries and cares? Does it say give a few of your worries and cares? Does it say give only the big worries and cares? Or does it say give all? It says all. So how do we do this practically? I want to make this practical for for us tonight. How do we practically give all of our worries and cares to God? I want to talk about three ways that we can do this or that we can unload our burdens on him tonight. Are you with me? Let's look at number one. Number one, you got to let him teach you. You got to let Jesus become your teacher. Here's what Jesus says again from Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you. Let me teach you. Because, this is Jesus speaking of himself, I am humble and I am gentle at heart and you will find what? Rest for your souls. There's that promise again. He wants us to find rest. He doesn't want us to live with anxiety. We are the most over-prescribed nation in the world with regards to anxiety, pills, and medications. You know why? Why? Because we are not learning from our teacher. We are not learning from our Messiah, King Jesus. We're trying to do life according to our own terms. And as a result, we're not living from a place of rest. Jesus' invitation is to come unto him and to let him teach us. Which means that unloading your burden always starts with a choice as to what voice you're going to listen to. Or what teachers you're going to submit your life to and learn from. Right now, we're living in a day and age in which we have access to so many different voices and so many different teachers who are shaping the way that we see the world and interact with others on a day-to-day basis. From the news, social media, podcasts, YouTube videos, I mean, you name it, we are inundated with options regarding who we're going to learn from. You guys agree with that? Okay. But here's the question I want to ask. Are we allowing ourselves to be... Taught by the Spirit of God through the Word of God, or are we allowing CNN or Fox News or Joe Rogan or Google, I mean, just pick one, to inform and shape the way we do life? What teachers are you submitting your life to? One of the reasons I believe we need to become people of the Word of God and recover and reclaim the Word of God is because it will define who we become. This will define what we value. But it will also define the way that we learn how to listen to Jesus. For some of you, the answer that you need to the problem that you're facing has already been given to you. And it's in this book. And it begins when you and I begin to submit ourselves to his yoke. Now, this word yoke here doesn't mean the yoke of an oxen, although that's what oftentimes people will refer to. It actually means the interpretation of Torah. So... In Jesus' day, when Jesus was alive and teaching, as a rabbi, rabbis would have what we call yokes. Yokes were their way of doing life. It was their way of interpreting Torah or the first five books of the Bible. And so every rabbi would kind of have his particular interpretation of God's word. And so as a student of that rabbi, you would take on your rabbi's yoke, okay? You would come under the yoke and learn from That teacher, are you guys tracking with me? And that teacher's personality, his style, his emphasis, his cadence, the way that he saw the word of God, all of those things would be things that you would then submit yourself under. Jesus comes on the scene and says this, take my yoke, I want you to see life through my lens. I want you to see and interpret the word of God through my lens. Let me be your teacher. Let me show you the way of life. This is the invitation to come under this yoke, but for many of us, we've taken on the yoke of all sorts of other influences, and as a result, then we wonder why our lives are not on track or working out the way that we want them to. The reason we need to reclaim the word of God is that we need to come under the right yoke. We need to come under the right interpretation of who God is and who Jesus wants to be in our life. I made this statement to us on Tuesday night, if you were here for our team night, I said that as a church, we have a responsibility to, to do this with our kids, yes. to disciple and to equip our kids to know God's word and to go to war. And for many of us, we're, we're kind of stuck between two different worlds right now. We're like, all right, I, we know that like, we're kind of through the craziness of COVID, hopefully, and, but we're we're not where we're We're going to be, so we're kind of in this middle place. And for many of us, the temptation is to act as if it's peacetime when in reality, it's wartime. When in reality, it's wartime. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that it's time for the church to go to war over who is going to get our worship. It's time for the church to go to war over who's going to fight and win the battle for truth. It's time to go to war for whose voice we're going to listen to, whose voice we're going to submit ourselves to. It's time for us to do that. And it's time for us to decide if we're going to be a people interested in the presence or a people of the presence of God. This is the battle that's happening right now with our kids. The battle for truth. The battle for identity. The battle for the prophetic. The battle against idolatry. And so we as a people of God need to be serious within our own lives so that we can then disciple our young people and those that God calls us to make disciples of intentionally. Say intentionally. Intentionally. Go ahead and throw that slide up there, Keaton. In the next couple of months, we're going to be starting a new intentional effort to disciple what I'm calling next-gen followers of Jesus today. We don't need to wait until a generation needs rescue in order to step in and do this, church. Come on, we got to be a people that are willing to step into this gap and disciple next-gen followers of Jesus today. And guess what? We have them in this church. We have them already. God's already given you opportunities to make disciples today. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, we know we we want to make disciples of all nations. We want to reach our neighbors. We want to reach our city. But come on, let's start in the house of God. Let's start with the family of God. How are we doing in this department? I believe that in, in the months to come, God's going to give us some specific ways that we're going to do this. I'm excited to share more of that with you guys in the next couple of weeks. But we're going to intentionally equip our children to know the word of God to host the Holy Spirit, to pray with power, and to worship in the presence. Can I tell you this? Right now, more than programs and pizza, this is what young people need. And we've lost a generation of young people because we thought that we had to entertain rather than equip and empower. And this church, if you're going to partner with us, the mission that God has given us is to equip and to empower. It's to do both. Now, some, some churches you'll go to, you'll be very well equipped. You'll hear great sermons, you'll get great teaching, you'll be able to join great classes. There'll be all sorts of opportunities for you to be equipped. And we say yes and amen to all of that. For some of you, you may have been to or, or may attend churches where you'll be very empowered. You'll, you'll be given an opportunity to serve and to make a difference and to get involved. And you may not be fully equipped to do that, but you'll be given the, cho- the opportunity to. We want to be a church that does both. All right, God didn't tell us that we have to choose between equipping and empowering. We want to equip and we want to empower. We want to empower and we want to equip. Are you tracking with me? All right, so we're going to do this with our young people. We're going to equip them to become disciples of Jesus today. We're not going to wait until it's too late. And the truth is, it already is too late. It already is for many people. So let's learn from Jesus Let's listen to his voice. Let's let Jesus' voice be the loudest voice in our rooms. In other words, let's let him become preeminent again. Amen? And the only way that we're not going to be riddled with cares and weighed down with heavy burdens is if we let him teach us his ways. There's a saying that when the, the student is ready, the teacher appears. Christ wants to be our teacher. And I believe now is the time to get ready. Now's the time to not play around. Now's the time not to go back to sleep. Now's the time to let what's dead remain dead and what's alive be alive and let's grab a hold of it in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Number two, let's pray about everything. Next slide. One of the ways that we unload our burdens is by praying about everything. Listen to what Philippians chapter four, verse six says in the NLT. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. God, are you telling me that there's nothing off limits to pray for? Yes. It, does the word everything mean everything? Yes. God invites us to pray about everything. You know what I love about this? It means that God wants to have conversation with us all throughout the day. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't even have to be a request or a need. Sometimes you just want to talk to God about something. Pray about everything. Everything And as a result, what happens? We don't have to worry. We don't have to be full of cares. We don't have to be anxious. The truth is there's never been a single moment in your life as a believer and follower of Jesus that you and I didn't need to pray. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. Church, we've got to be a people of prayer. This is why we... Ha- 2 years ago made the choice to to consecrate our Tuesday nights unto God. We said, God, the least that we can do, the the bare minimum that we can do is give you an hour one day a week of just devoted, consecrated prayer. And we do that every Tuesday night. We come into this place, we gather together to pray, and you're all invited to come. And if you can't come every week, that's great. Come when you can. But we decided that prayer wasn't gonna be just something that's low on our priority list, that prayer was gonna be our priority, that we were gonna take seriously the mandate to do this, to pray about everything, and so we do that on Tuesday nights. We get together, we put worship music on, we pray over our city, we pray over our families, we pray over our neighborhoods, we pray for you. How many of you are thankful that you belong to a church where people are here on a Tuesday night, every week, praying for you? That's awesome! And it's not just your pastor, you guys. It's, it's many of you. You guys know Stephen and Maddie. They're here every week praying for you guys. That's just awesome. I've been to churches where people didn't pray at all. And I just think it's awesome that we can be a praying church, not just the people that pray. Amen? And there's a difference. Prayer has to become central to our lives. It has to be at the center of our activities, meaning it has to be at the top of our priority list. So let me ask you this question. Where does prayer currently rank on your priority list? I think if, we're, if we were to be honest, I think most of us would say that we probably have prayer somewhere like maybe six or seven on the list. Maybe for some of us who are super spiritual, maybe a little higher. That was a joke. You can laugh. It's okay. Like, I don't know. He's calling me out right now. I feel targeted. I feel triggered. It's okay. But you know what? Here, here's why I think we don't make prayer a priority because we over-spiritualize it or we make it too complicated. And God wants prayer to be as simple as breathing. Can I tell you, if you could embrace the rhythm of prayer as something that you do each and every day, and as an ongoing conversation, it would become more simple and less intimidating. One of the reasons that we don't pray about everything, one of the reasons that we don't is that we bind this lie that we actually are the ones that are going to make it happen that we're going to manufacture what's going to happen in life. Or we, we buy into the lie that, that prayer is ineffective, or we, we give up praying because we haven't seen the answer that we think we need. And can I tell you guys something? Prayer is powerful. Prayer is so powerful because God is powerful. And when you pray, you're partnering with Almighty God to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And can I tell you this? He loves to answer the prayers of his people. He loves to answer your prayers. And here's what the answer is going to be. Are you ready for it? He's going to give you one of these three. Yes, no, or not yet. How does God answer a prayer, Pastor Jason? Sometimes with an affirmative yes and let's go. Sometimes it's a no. That's not my will for your life. And then sometimes it's a hold on. Just wait. Not yet. Can Can I tell you guys something? We're okay with the yes and sometimes the no. It's the not yet where we get hung up. You guys agree with me? What happens when God says not yet? We rush out to try to make it happen. Like, no, I got this, God. All right, you ain't going to make it happen. I'm going to kick down this door. Boop. And then what happens? We fall flat on our faces or we make a stupid decision or it blows up, right? And we're like, oh, why did we do that? And God says in his kind, loving voice, because you didn't embrace the not yet. Because I just wanted you to wait. If we could embrace this, if we could become a people that love to pray and know that sometimes it's going to be a yes, sometimes it's going to be a no, and sometimes it's going to be not yet, I guarantee we'd be far more encouraged to pray and to keep at it. Amen? Amen. Philippians 4.6, the same verse that we just looked at, tells us, let's put it up there, that we don't have to be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving to present our requests to God. Once again, in every situation. So we've already been told to pray about everything, and here we are in the NIV, and and it's being presented to us this way. In every situation. There's not a single situation in your life that you don't need to go to God in prayer over. If you... let Let me just make it practical for you, okay? If you've got a big decision to make, you better go to God first. You better present it to God first. You know why? Because he's gonna help you. He's gonna help you to take that... And he, it says here, right here, present your request to God. Let God know about it. You know why? Because he wants you to unload your burdens. He doesn't want you to be carrying this thing around. Some of you just need to pray and then trust God and stop going back to it. He doesn't need you to rehearse it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Now, we feel extra spiritual when we do that. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, if you would, if you would, oh, God, oh, God. He's like, I heard you the first time could you imagine if you went to your, if your kids came to your parents, Alright, Some of them do dad, 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 dad. Yeah. I heard you. Yeah. I, you got my attention. I'm with you. All right. But could you imagine if, if we, 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 we approach God that way. Oh God, 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 God. He's like, I got you. I heard you the first time. Present your request and don't be anxious about it. That's the invitation. Why? So that number three, we can learn how to give thanks. Put it up there, Keats. Give thanks. This is the third way that we're gonna unload our burns. By giving thanks. One of the best ways that I've found to come, combat and come against anxiety in my life is through thanksgiving. Amen. It's through thanksgiving. It's becoming a person of thanksgiving. Now you can go to the next slide, Keaton. And we see it here. Nope, go back. Go back. There we go. We're we're offering prayer and we're we're presenting our requests, but, but how are we doing it, church? With thanksgiving. Here it is. So what does thanksgiving do? Thanksgiving allows our hearts to become grateful for what God has given us. It allows the the hook of, let's just call it materialism. Let's call it consumerism. Let's call it depression. Let's call it anxiety. Let's call it trouble. Let's call it worries. It allows God to untangle you from those things from those forces, from those thorns. Some of us keep running and jumping into thorn bushes and asking God to help us. And he's like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to offer up thanks. And in doing so, you will allow yourself to come out from underneath the weight or the entanglement of that care, of that that thing that's troubling you, of that thing that's burdening your soul. Thanksgiving should be a daily exercise. Let's throw it up there. It should be something we do daily, like washing your hands. Anybody wash their hands? Hopefully. <laughs> Any of you brush your teeth? Hopefully. Any of you take a shower? Thank you, God. Yes? Some of you are looking to the, your neighbor right now, and you're like, I don't know about this guy. but uh. No, but Thanksgiving should be just like that. It should be something that we do every day. Can I tell you, one of the, one of the best things that you can do is this, is when you get up in the morning say, thank you, God. And lift your hands to heaven. We looked at this during our our series on worship, and we talked about how the giving of praise is the raising of hands. It's the extension of thanks for who God is and for what God has given you. Can I tell you, church, we have so much to be thankful for. And this is not something we should just do on Thanksgiving, the fourth Thursday of every November. This is something that we should embrace every day. I try to look for new ways to thank God for ordinary things each and every day. Sometimes it's like, God, I thank you for hot water. God, I thank you for toilet paper. Remember the, the national toilet paper shortage of 2020? <laughs> I thank God for simple, stupid things, you guys. You know why? Because I want to become a person of thanks. Somebody who's rewired, recentered, recalibrated in thanksgiving. And when that happens, you begin to do this. You begin to see all of life as a gift. So, even the stuff that annoys you or, or freaks you out now becomes an opportunity for you to give thanks. The Bible doesn't say give thanks for everything, it says give thanks in everything. Why? Because there's no moment in your life that you ultimately can't be thankful. You know, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians while he was in a prison. Some of you would be like, I don't know if I'd be very thankful to be in jail. Paul was shipwrecked, Paul was beaten, Paul got bitten by snakes, he got rocks thrown at him, he got driven out of town, he was imprisoned multiple times, and yet he, he would say things like, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. What was he doing? He was trying to help us become people of thanksgiving. People whose lives are saturated in thanks. And when this happens, we begin to unload our cares. We begin to unload our burdens. Thanksgiving essentially says, God, I thank you for who you are and for what you've done. And when we become God-focused, you guys, instead of problem-focused, we begin to do what Jesus actually tells us to do in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Let's put it up there. Jesus says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Any of you guys worry about tomorrow? Yes. Yeah, we do it all the time, right? But we don't, have to, we don't have to. We can respond to Christ's invitation to let him be our teacher. Come on, to pray about everything. And to do so by giving thanks. Thanks. When we do that, when we embrace that, we begin to step into this reality of not worrying about tomorrow. I think I hear a, a song coming on. Yeah. Don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. I said don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing. It's going to be all right. I just want to speak that over some of you tonight. Some of you just need to go home and crank out some Bob Marley, okay? You got pastoral permission. Don't worry, because every little thing is going to be all right. Who sang that song first? Jesus. That's what he's inviting us to, to, church. Some of you guys just need to turn off the news for a little while. Can I tell you the best decision I made last year was exiting Facebook? I told you guys this. I went through a little divorce. got off Facebook, (laughs) separated from it. And can I tell you, my life has been so much better. Just the noise, the distraction, the false narratives, the fear, the chaos. Some of you guys have wed yourself to a pundit or to a a news outlet or to something. And Jesus is inviting you into this. Don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. Can I tell you, the moment that you get the revelation of that, your life's going to change. And that's my prayer for you tonight and for us as a church, as we step into what God has next for us. And he's got some exciting things in store, you guys. I'm really trying hard not to let the cat out of the bag, but I got to tell you, there's some exciting things happening with this church. You'll have to probably come back in the next week or two to hear some of that. But I'm so excited for what God has for us. But if we're not careful, we can step into that moment and be concerned about what, what's next and about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing that we don't embrace this. Yeah. Don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. You know what that is? That's an invitation to sit and rest in the moment. Rest. Come unto me, those of you who are weary. If you're tired tonight, this is Jesus' invitation to you. To lay down your burdens, to cast your cares on him, to pray about everything, to give thanks, and to not worry. Thank you for listening today. If you are blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.